stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick. And this week, I'm joined by Zach's stock strategist and the editor of Zach's Commodity Innovator newsletter, Jeremy Mullen. So, Jeremy, welcome. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Okay, I'm having you on because there's a lot going on with commodities. And we haven't talked about it in a while on the podcast. And it's it's kind of on everybody's lips, but there's been a lot of changes since we last talked. I mean, um, you know, we had the, the spiking lumber prices. Oil has has gone to multi-year highs, but now it's just kind of hanging out there. It's kind of stopped rising. Copper was at 10-year highs. I don't think most people realize, but that has pulled back in the last uh, couple of weeks here in mid-August. It was at six-month lows on the Delta variant outbreak worries. And um, gold hasn't been doing as much as what everybody thought gold would be doing. Then we, we've got the ag side, the food prices are up, but it looks like those might be moderating a bit, like at least like fruit and bacon, that side of the ag side. So what are you seeing out there with commodities and what should we be looking at? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up last time we talked because I, when I reviewed last time we talked, I still had the old numbers from like the year to date. So I wanted to kind of go over where we were. This was, I think we talked in early March and I have late February uh, stats. And this is just year to date. So lumber was up 38%. That was the leader. And then it continued to go crazy and kept them going higher for another couple of months. Gasoline at the time was 34%, natural gas 27%. Crude was up 26%. So we had a lot of other movers, corn, uh, copper, and cotton were all double digits. And then we fast forward, you know, five, six months later, we have lumber down on the year. We have gasoline and natural gas and crude kept going. So the leader now is actually natural gas up 75%. So, and with that, coffee is not too far behind it at 55%. So we've had a lot of changes in what's happened in just the last five to six months. And so what we're kind of seeing with that is just the, the dynamics and the supply dynamic of each commodity has changed and that makes a lot of sense you know it's very cyclical in the space um there's a lot of things that are going on because of the coronavirus and the delta variant some demands getting taken away and of course we have with the ags and the sauce we have a lot of weather situations that are coming into play so these things are moving around all over the place it's very volatile and it's very confusing for retail investors to, to figure out right now. And with that, the stocks that uh, follow these commodities are also, they're making some volatile moves as well. Yeah, I kind of took a look at some of my favorites in some of these categories and ones I, ha- I don't own and I haven't looked at them for a while. And I was surprised at what's been happening over say like the last like three months with some of them. <laughs> It's it's been in going you know the wrong way for some of these, um, and then it's just you know and now we're it, we're seemingly getting another rebound in some of these again. So yeah, it seems if you are um, holding any of these, it's been a little rough. I owned a couple energy plays 
in a couple of my portfolios that I had to basically get out of on the big the big sell-off in August. But now that's that's turning around again too. <laughs> so maybe just uh, I don't know. I don't know. This is a tough area, so that's why I wanted to have you on. So. Um, let's start with the best performer, Nat Gas. I don't think anyone is talking about it. Yeah, Nat Gas. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship it. with Nat Gas. <laughs> yeah. It's really a crazy one. It's called the Widowmaker for a reason. It, the volatility in Nat Gas is is hard for a lot of people to stomach. Okay, so how do you even invest in Nat Gas? Is there an ETF for that? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, UNG is the uh, the main one, but there's also some leveraged um, net gas ETFs. So like for right now, Commodity Innovators is in uh, BOIL, B-O-I-L. And there's also ways you can short it. Um, the opposite of BOIL is a COLD with a K, K-O-L-D. So those two ETFs are ways that you can play it. And since net gas is so volatile, these things have five to 10% moves in a day sometimes. I mean, you really got to watch yourself in those. But overall, net gas has been uh, in a, a very bullish move higher. And, you know, I know we, we just had the hurricane and everybody's attributing the latest move to that. But really, it has to do a lot with what's happening in uh, in Europe. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of conflict between Germany and Russia and the Nord Stream 2 pipeline over there. And what's going to happen in that? And there's a lot of speculation. But there's sanctions that Germany is threatening, and then and then Russia's threatening to cut off gas supplies. So, so Europe's seen some record gas prices over there, and it's kind of hitting uh, gas prices worldwide. Okay, yeah, that's um, going to be definitely something to watch as we head into the winter months here. That's what's been crazy too. Like the, the seasonality, gas, natural gas doesn't go up usually in the summer months, but we have seen that. So I would take that as a really bullish signal, as you pointed out, as we head into that, the, the winter months. Okay. Um, coffee up 55%, but, you know, everybody is kind of, they keep saying with these kind of increases, like, oh, it's all inflation and blah, blah, blah. But coffee, there is an actual weather issue behind that price increase, isn't there? Yeah, so um, you know, coffee is is very interesting too. And the way to be in that one, if you're just a retail investor, you don't trade futures, is Joe J O. It's a coffee ETF, and that is uh, recently come off um, all time highs, but uh, came right back. The first reason that it started to move higher was a frost. Um, Brazilian frost hit a bunch of the crops there, and uh, you know, obviously with the supply, you know, Brazil is one of the biggest coffee suppliers. And if you take out half their crop, I guess what's going to happen to prices. So we saw a big spike there and we kind of came in and now we're heading back towards our, those highs as well as there's there's actually problems kind of globally. Colombia is having issues and uh, the other area is Vietnam. Um, where they've had some weather issues as well. So coffee's all mostly weather related, um, but we have seen prices move on kind of COVID restrictions and shutdowns since COVID started. So that's kind of been all over the place too, uh, but definitely the trend is up. And, uh, you know, it might hit a name like Starbucks. They're going to have higher prices, cuts margins and all that. So the first thought yeah. in my head was like, man, wonder what's if I'm going to be paying more at the Starbucks. 
Well, it'll be interesting to see, especially next quarter. So they're going to have that. Um, they're going to be definitely noticing they're paying higher prices. So how much do they shuffle that off to the consumer? Um, it'll definitely be interesting to see uh, their next earnings. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about copper because I I followed it for many years, but again, I kind of stopped following it since the pandemic and I didn't even realize it was at these 10 year highs. Is it too late to, to get into this trade? Is it like, is this done now? I don't think so. Uh, you know, it did pull back significantly, but all it did, if you look at the chart, like if, if you're not a fundamental guy, and, and I'm a big technical guy. If you look at the chart, the 200-day moving average tested and it bounced right back, and we got above some resistance areas. And if you recall, that that move was derived from China kind of uh, clamping down on on some of their high prices. They were basically released reserves, and that caused some selling. But we're right back to to prices that where that announcement uh, came from. So uh, you know, the thing the the issue with copper is supply. Copper mines worldwide. They're all operating at capacity. There's some strikes in Chile that could threaten um, some uh, some supply issues. And uh, Goldman actually sees $5 copper by year's end. So we're at, uh, I'm looking right now, 436. That's a nice move higher, and that would be uh, the highs of the year if we got up there. Um, and the basics come, it's a supply and demand dynamic where supply is going to have trouble meeting demand as this reopening continues around the globe. Yeah, for sure. So a way to play this, should I be buying the ETF on copper or like individual miners or what should I be doing? Well, I like the individual miners like a Freeport or Southern Copper. So that's FCX for Freeport. Uh, Southern Copper is SEC. Um, RTP, Rio Tinto and BHP are also options. Okay. Um, but you know, if you want to get into kind of like the copper, aluminum, zinc space, I mean, aluminum's going too. Aluminum's at 10-year yeah. highs. And yeah. if you want to get exposure to aluminum, you could do Alcoa. But there is a DBB is the uh, base metals fund, and you get exposure to all those guys. So I kind of like that one um, as opposed to maybe a direct copper ETF. That would take some of the volatility away from it. I mean, normally those guys are all moving together. But – there's strength in all those kind of metals that are fueling, you know, cars, airplanes, construction, that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, DBB would be the one uh, ETF that I would uh, kind of look at in that in that area. Um, if you want to go just copper, the, there's one CPR is the ETF that it was, or and there's another one JJC. But um, I think ETF is the way to the DBB is the way to go. Yeah, I mean, why not get the aluminum in there, too? Yeah. Because that's huge right now as well. Uh, what about gold? It's it's fallen, as I said earlier, and it's not doing the inflationary thing everybody thought it would be doing right now. And is it signaling that there's not going to be the inflation worries? And so that's why it's kind of, you know, trading under a year ago or... I don't yeah, know. This, this has been a tough trade, honestly. Yeah. Uh, you know, it hasn't worked out like it was supposed to. Like you said, this right. was supposed to be the space to go based on all the inflation. So you look at the chart and you look at the struggles and you, <laughs> part of me keeps on thinking, well, if this inflation is transitory, then why is why won't it go? Like maybe that's why it won't go up. 
But, you know, we, we're seeing inflation all over the place, and it's kind of hard to believe that it's struggling here. Uh, a lot of people are blaming Bitcoin or something like that. I don't know if I buy that. Maybe okay. some money goes into that instead of gold. But there should be a higher move here. And when things don't make sense like that, it scares me. But if you look at the chart, uh, it's basically been sideways all year. Mm-hmm. Trading between 1700 and 1900 we're at just above 1800 now which is happens to be i believe yeah the 200 day moving average so it's basically trading right as it's 200 day um we had in commodity innovators and it had a violent move um from 18 to 1700 and bounced halfway back and i got out uh just the chart setups were kind of broken um okay. you know if it, if it can maintain over 1800 and start start kind of uh, grinding and trending higher perhaps there's a play to 2000 into that next year but for now this whole year has been sideways it's been a lot of chop i know that if you're trading this you probably had a difficult year and same thing with silver like i type up the silver chart it just doesn't look good so until those looks start looking more constructive kind of want to just be hands off with one eye on it um and see if the, the inflation trade kind of gather some steam next year in these in the in the metals do you recommend just buying the metal ETFs if you're gonna if you are gonna dive into either silver or gold and forget about the miners on these? Yeah, so um, GLD is gold and SLV is silver, and then yeah. you can have some leverage on top of that with some of the other ETFs, like silver is AGQ is, is a popular one. But um, yeah, those those are fine. Uh, the, the miners are a tough trade. If you look at those charts, they're not looking great. Uh, no. I just think gold has to sustain that higher price for those guys to really start working. And I think that might be a sign of perhaps the miners might signal golds like if it has a real move higher because those miners will start going uh, right. not ahead of gold. But you'll start noticing, oh, the miners are really going. Maybe this gold move is for real. That's one thing that hasn't happened with kind of like these gold fake out tires. The miners haven't really followed. It's, it's all been fake outs. And then if you buy those, if you bought a miner this year, you know, you buy it against the lows and then the lows get taken out and you're stopped out. So that's kind of been the trade all year. and It's been a rough one. I think last time we talked about agriculture quite a bit um, because I really liked it. And I think you really liked it back yeah. in the spring. And now here we are. What what is the situation with the the eggs? Yeah, Bitcoin, right? Corn was going crazy. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, that was that was a great trade, and it went a lot further than I thought. And things have have come in um, since then, uh, but there's still there's still issues um, with just how uh, how the crops are doing. It hasn't been a great year. The spring wheat 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 chart is actually looking the best of all of them. Corn and beans have come in. But wheat is looking the strongest, and what what we're kind of seeing is that the comparisons to last year, like the crop condition, aren't as good as they were um, at this time uh, last year. So we have like for beans, 56 in good to excellent condition versus 66% last year. So you can see it's like just the crop isn't performing as well. So it'll be interesting when the harvest comes is finished to see you know how much supply is out there and exactly how the market reacts right now uh you, you look at some of these charts and um we're breaking below 200 day moving average in corn 
and uh, it it looks like it's just going to kind of hang out in early February prices before that large breakout to over seven dollars. So I think what we'll see is some sideways action into early next year as we get to kind of gauge what's going to happen in the spring. Now, of course, weather is a big part of all of that. When how early can we start the the plantings? Um, what kind of rains are we going to get? But there's also the supply side uh, or the demand side, excuse me. Uh, China is continuing to buy beans and they are on the bid constantly for for beans. And um, there is just a, a seemingly huge demand. And if the, the from what I've looked at is the supplies are not going to really be restored until um, 2023 or late 2022. We'll see. And a lot's going to have to do with next year's plantings and harvest. I noticed a headline recently as I was preparing for this podcast that Kathy Wood at ARC Innovation um, with their ETFs over there, she's been buying uh, Komatsu, which is the huge Japanese farm and construction equipment company. Sticker is KMTUI. It's five letters, KMTUI. She's been buying every day since mid-August, apparently. So for about two weeks, she's been buying shares in there. It's only trading at 14 times. So what do you think about the construction equipment stops? They've they've had a little bit of a pullback off of their highs. Here, is this a buying opportunity like she apparently thinks it is? I don't know much about Komatsu, but of course, you know, Deer and Agco, those guys have have had nice runs. We we owe own uh, Agco and uh, Commodity Innovators. And Deer had great earnings. It was just one of those, you know, sell the <laughs> sell the great earnings events, and it's like right back up. So okay. if you look at Deer, that's kind of sideways since March. So these things are uh, the the charts are looking good. The fundamentals are great. Um, as far as upside appreciation, I think it's just a, a wait and see if the, uh, the the bullishness as far as the fundamentals are sustainable. And it looks like they are. Um, Kathy Wood, you know, she's she she seems to buy anything no matter you know where it goes. It's interesting because she's usually in the in the tech. So I would be curious to look into this more and see what she exactly sees um, in the type of equipment, I guess, um, that. Uh, they're making in comparison to um, some of these more traditional companies that I'm I'm familiar with. Well, you know they are calling Deer a tech company now, so maybe along <laughs> those same. Maybe it, maybe it fits in her category now. Yeah, because I think aren't they trying to make you know driverless tractors and things like that? So right. yeah, using AI and all that, so it kind of does make sense in some ways. I, I'm sure the farmers would would love to take some of that work out of their. Uh, you know their day, and if crop sure. prices can stay elevated and they can afford that te- new technology, that would be fantastic. Is there any commodity that we haven't covered that you feel like people should know what's going on with it? Is there like some secret ones that are either up a lot or down a lot? I mean, lumber obviously is in the negative, but everybody's been talking about that one. Is there is there anything that you kind of follow that we haven't talked about? Yeah, not not really. I mean, you, you okay. have your basics right, but uh, sugar yeah. is is one of those that is kind of secretly up big on the year. Um, okay. Would I buy it here? No, but it's just in one of those interesting kind of uh, weather supply issues. Um, I've been really 
curious on uh, palladium, platinum, and those kind of uh, precious metals that are, they've been flat on the year too. And, you know, with uh, with the way the, the others are moving, like the copper and, and, and uh, aluminum, uh, I'm just cu- curious, for me, it's been kind of a confusing trade to look at those and see them struggle. So uh, while those are more correlated with gold and silver, that could be have something to do with it. Their industrial element doesn't seem to pan into that trade. So I'm watching those two really closely um, to see if they have any life come back into them, um, because those things can really move if they get going. And uh, we were along Palladium um, earlier in the year and had a great move, but it basically came all the way in and we got out. So um, I'd like to revisit that at some point. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'm really, uh, while we're, we're long natural gas, I'm looking for like one big up move into the end of the year where we can cover. But I, I think my favorite is still crude. I do think that crude has bottomed, that flush down was kind of a bottoming and that we do start trending higher again as we reopen. So um, that that's kind of my two favorites right now is that natural gas and crude and um, i know everybody's focused on uh, lumber i just uh man it's, it's such a hard one to gauge unless you're physically in that market and you know what the sawmills are doing and, <laughs> and what the what the big box guys are doing and uh it, it is a difficult one to gauge it isn't easy to predict and as you can see like the up 40 percent to down 20 percent move it's had today or this uh, year um, is, uh, is, is, is a tough one to stomach, really. Yeah. So are you buying into some of the oil predictions for the end of the year then? Uh, some of the real bullish ones? I think Goldman was at like $100 a barrel, but they might have lowered it recently to like 80 or 85 I think. Um, there's been some, most of the predictions are anywhere between 80 and 100 that I've seen for the end of the year, but it seems like we you know for right now we're having a hard time just retaking that 70 level Do, are you buying into those real bullish predictions on oil yeah uh for the fundamental aspect i think we have to get past um this delta variant for some really big buying interest to come in uh okay. also opec like what do they do um, it's been interesting to see, and, and they're due up tomorrow with some uh, with, with with their plans. But like, just what do they do? How do they kind of measure global demand versus their supply with Delta, with kind of the ongoing restrictions in certain areas? But technically, if we can get above the seventy-one dollar area, which would be above the fifty-day moving average, um, I could see us going back up to the eighty-five. So I am looking personally for an eighty to eighty-five dollar move to the end of the year. I think that can happen. Above a hundred can come, but I don't. I don't think it's too far away for this year. I don't think we get there, especially with the ongoing, uh, you know, COVID concerns. Let me add, like the consumer confidence numbers I've been looking at are, are kind of concerning. Yeah. Just, just be, that's a demand, right? That's the demand right. side thing, whether it be retail or or anything. Um, that is kind of just gauging where are we at in the demand side. Um, so we just kind of have to be aware of the current atmosphere uh, with the ongoing uh, COVID issues. So um, we get past that, I think we can go, and a lot of this stuff, really. 
yeah, then this sounds like uh, maybe a buying opportunity in some some of the oil names, possibly, because they have pulled back. Some have rallied again off that that recent pullback, but uh, still relatively cheap. Because if you get $85 oil, then a lot of these, I mean, the, just the free cash flow alone with a lot of them is going to be huge. So yes, that's a great point. I mean, a lot of these have low PEs. And they have high paying dividends and with interest rates remaining low, people are going to start finding that attractive. And yeah, if you can get oil to continue to stabilize or get higher, uh, get above 80, those are going to start looking really, really attractive. Yeah. Um, and some of those that are, you know, play in the nat gas arena too with prices. So sure. I'd keep an eye on those guys. So yeah, we were, we were heavy in uh, crude, uh, or some energy stocks and got stopped on some, still have some. I'm looking, you know, if we can break the technical resistance here to add some more. Uh, we're heavy in ag too. So those those two, yeah. two spots are what I'm looking for into the end of the year. Uh, so energy and ag um, is what I'm liking. But yeah, they, I know everybody wants to talk about gold when they talk about commodities. Yeah. Uh, but it's just been a painful sideways trade. Right. Yeah, I, I'm not even watching it. That's how boring it's been. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, so we covered a lot. Let me go over a lot of these tickers that we talked about. So if you want that NAT gas trade, I think you said UNG is one of the possibilities, but also BOIL is what you own, B-O-I-L. The reverse is COLD with a K, K-O-L-D. Then yes. if you want, okay, then you want to get into those metals, the copper trades, you can buy some of the miners. So we talked about Freeport, McMoran, FCX, Southern Copper is SCC, BHP Billiton, BHP, but Jeremy likes the Invesco Base Metals Fund, which is D as in dog, BB. So DBB is that ticker. Then we talked about gold and silver, and the best way to play those is just through those ETFs, the GLD and the SLV. Um, also, the miners are out there, but those are real challenging here. Then we switched over to the ag side, and some of those we talked about Korematsu, the equipment makers, KMTUY is the ticker there. It's five letters, K. M-T-U-Y's Korematsu. I always put the R in there. I'm not sure there is an R. Komatsu. Komatsu. Um, they're in Japan, and that's the one Kathy Wood is buying. Then we talked about Deer, D-E, and Agco. Jeremy owns it, and I actually own it in the value investor as well, because I love the ag trade too, and that's A-G-C-O is the ticker there. Um, I'm sure there's a couple other ones we threw out there. Oh, I forgot about the coffee ETF, if you're interested in that one. And it is just J-O. That's uh, Joe, no E in the end, just J-O for the coffee. Um, so that pretty much covers it all. And as always, the commodity trade is really interesting. So we'll probably be talking to Jeremy again, maybe as we get towards the end of the year or into the new year, and we'll see how our predictions fair once again but uh, commodities the hot place to be so you want to be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of the market edge and getting 
all of our interesting discussions on here. You can get us on SoundCloud. We're also on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, just about anywhere you can get podcasts, you can find us. But be sure to do so, and I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.